good morning. Uh, it's great to have you here on Easter morning at Silver Creek. Uh, we are thrilled that you've joined, chosen to join us if you're online. Uh, last service, because of our power outage, it all got messed up, so hopefully if you're watching online, welcome. If not, sorry, I should have been here. Anyway, um, we are thrilled that you are here. If somebody invited you to come today, uh, will you just know that they are honored that you trusted them enough to respond to that invitation? Uh, that you put yourself out there and that you cared enough about them. And so uh, thank you for trusting them. Uh, if you happen to see one of our ads in the newspaper or maybe on Facebook or you're here at our egg hunt and you won a prize and you felt like you owed it to us to show up, I uh, <laughs> guess we're not ashamed of that work. But uh, thanks for being here, taking a risk, being uh, here this morning. And we're confident that you're not going to regret your decision uh, to show up. We're convinced that God has something for you. And, and truly, I have no doubt in my mind that God has a message for each and every one of us that lines up exactly with where we're at in life. And this morning, we're launching into a new message series, as Elizabeth mentioned. Um, it's called Conquering Giants, and really looking at how can we begin to find some steps, find some tools that we can move beyond the things that oftentimes in our life hold us back. This morning, we want to specifically talk about discovering how we get past the giant of fear. When we get into the church world, Easter is our biggest celebration of the year. We celebrate the fact that this was the day of the resurrection of Jesus, which basically means Jesus was killed on a cross, and then three days later, he defeated death and came back to life. And this morning, what I think we'll see is that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available to you and I when it comes to conquering the giants, and specifically conquering the giant of fear in our lives. And it's true, I think for all of us, we would look at our lives and we would recognize that there are times that there are, there's fear in our lives. All of us are afraid from time to time. I mean, it starts out as when we're a kid, right? I don't know if this was true for you. I remember I, I was scared to death of whatever lived underneath my bed. I didn't know what existed. I didn't know what it was there. But I just knew that it was going to get me, right? If I just stepped out of the bed, it was going to grab my ankle and pull me under or whatever. So I was like, I would just jump, right? Anybody else? And I was on a bunk bed. So like it was, <laughs> but I made it. And as we grow up, we start to discover that, you know, some of those childhood fears aren't really a thing that we need to worry about. But, but as we get older, the fears get bigger. Scientists have actually discovered that we really only have two natural fears. Maybe you can guess what they are. I'm going to put some on the screen and give you some options, and we'll see if we can figure out as a group if we can identify the two natural fears. Here you go. Here's some of your options. Um, drowning, falling, commitment. Um, don't, if anybody nudged anybody on commitment, that's rude. Just, <laughs> just saying. Uh, the dark. The, this is legit. I think... <laughs> I feel like the Kardashians could possibly be. How about, uh, we've got church. Thanks for overcoming that one, if that's got you. Spiders. Loud noises. Baldness. Some of you are overcoming. Good job. Uh, and then lastly, disease. Okay, so you can talk with a friend. You're allowed to, like, converse. Like, what are the two natural fears? What, is, what are we actually born with? You, you can talk with a friend. Go ahead. Phone a friend, whatever you need to do. Narrow in on those two natural fears. Everybody got your answer? You've locked it in? You've locked it in? Good, you're still talking. Okay, here it is. Ready? Here's, here's what it really is. These are the two. Falling and loud noises. So if you trip at a rock concert, you're in trouble. Because 
all happening in one. See, these are, these are and, and maybe, you know, if you, you read a different study or you could talk to somebody else, and maybe there's another one or two that you could roll in there. But, but really, most of our fears are not natural. We maybe just have two fears that, that were God-given. Falling, maybe loud noises, maybe a couple others. But whatever else in your life and whatever else in my life that we're afraid of, we've learned to be afraid of that. When I was five years old, Saturday night meant bath time. Whether, whether we needed it or not, we were going to take a bath. So uh, Saturday night rolls around, and it means we're going to take a bath, then we're going to watch Love Boat, then we get to watch the intro to Fantasy Island. Um, my parents we were not watching the whole thing, just the intro. It was really fun. Anyway, um, so Saturday night comes along, and it's bath time, and I'm in the bathtub, and, and all of a sudden, the door opens up, and my little brother starts walking into the bathroom, and he's holding our cat. And he walks up to the bathtub, and I have no idea what's coming. I don't know why I didn't figure this out, but he throws the cat into the tub. That cat scurried up to the highest, driest place that it could find. <laughs> Happened to be my shoulders. And then just dug in for all he could, and just, he was not going anywhere. My mom had to come in and, like, pick the cat off my shoulders one claw at a time. Now, some of you know I don't like cats, and now you're like, got it. Now I got it. I learned the fear of cats. Now, anything that we've learned, we can unlearn it. I'm not afraid of cats anymore. I just don't like them still. But everything else, when there's a fear in our life, if we've learned to be afraid of it, we can unlearn to be afraid of it. In your message notes, you can follow along, you can take notes. Um, you can also just use that to track how much longer you have to be here. Um, but if we're conquering or looking at the idea of conquering our fear, I want to look at a very short statement that was written in a letter to one of the first churches, the church in Rome. Uh, it's going to be on the screen. It's in your message notes. This was written by an early church leader by the name of Paul. He said this, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Basically, what that means is, whatever is against you, whatever your giant is, God is bigger. And God is for you. And God says, I will help you conquer that giant. And so maybe you came in here today, and you've always felt like maybe God was mad at you for something. Or, or maybe you came in today, and you felt like God was out to get you. Maybe you came this morning because a friend just kept bugging you to come, and you're like, okay, I'll get him off my back, and I'll go. But you're here, and you're thinking... I've been through so much tough stuff in my past. Maybe there's things that you've done in your past that you're like, I, I don't think we could ever get beyond that, me and God. I, don't, I think we're at an impasse. Whatever brings you here this morning, in whatever condition you come in this morning, understand this. God is for you. He likes you. He's positive about who you are. And honestly, for some of you, maybe the greatest reason that you're here today is to hear that God is for you. And God says this morning, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you to conquer the giants and conquer the fear that you're facing in life. And if we're going to conquer giants, if we're going to conquer fears, I think the greatest place that we can look is, a, is at a story of a giant killer. Near the front of the Bible, we read the story of David and Goliath. You might be familiar with it. Um, we don't have time this morning to read the entire story. If you go home, you can read all of 1 Samuel 17, get all of the details on your own. We're just going to hit some of the high points. I'll read a big chunk, and then we'll start to break it down. We pick it up in verse 4. It says, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. 
He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a, a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy as, and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Uh, Goliath stood and shouted, uh, wait, 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 I got lost, sorry. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So basically the scenario is this. We've got, we've got two armies that are squaring off. We've got the Israelite army that worships God. And then we've got the Philistine army that loves to fight the Israelites and make fun of them for worshiping God. And these two armies, they're facing each other, and they're on opposite sides of a valley. And the valley is known as the Valley of Elah. And this valley has some very extremely steep edges to it. And both armies know that if they're to attack the other one, means they're going to have to go down into the valley. And as they attack, they're going to have to come up a very steep incline. And as you climb that steep incline, the, uh, the other side is going to have the true advantage. And you're probably not going to survive. And so what happened is what typically happened in war uh, at this time in history. Rather than having lots of casualties and lots of loss of your armies and men dying, they would select the best warrior from each side. And each side would choose their best warrior, and then they would face off in the middle. I don't know if you remember, it would be sort of like a UFC fight in the 1980s between the United States and USSR. Like if we were going to solve the Cold War, both sides send their best in, and we win or take all. That would... But at this point, it's the Philistines, and they've got a giant. And this dude is a beast. Right now, while I'm standing on this stage, I am just at about seven and a half feet off the ground. So this guy's got another foot and a half on top of where I'm at right now. Then you take his armor and his protective gear. The combined weight of what he's got to protect himself is more than some of the Israelite guys themselves. Goliath is a giant, and he's offering to fight. And Saul's army is like, uh-uh-uh. They are terrified, and they are deeply shaken. And I don't think any of us should be like, oh, they should have fought him. Because I think most of us are deeply shaken and terrified. In those moments where we stand on the edge of a valley, and we look down into that valley, and there's a giant that's staring back at us, and we're deeply shaken and terrified because we have no idea how to defeat it. Maybe it's a career decision that you've got to make. Maybe there's a toddler that you're raising, and you have no, and they, that toddler seems to have no desire to obey. Maybe it's a teenager who has no desire to obey. It's the same thing the whole way. They just get older. Maybe it's your house, and it's just your home just seems to be falling apart, like the repairs. You just can't seem to keep up with it. Maybe there's a difficult medical diagnosis that, that you or somebody that you loved received and, and you're just trying to process it. Maybe, maybe it's your inability to get ahead financially and like no matter how much money comes in or how much, just like you can't seem to get ahead. Maybe there's a relationship that you really care about and you just can't seem to find any sort of stable footing. 
Whatever that giant is that's creating fear, it, it stands in front of you and it walks out in front and it begins to challenge you and it begins to taunt you and it begins to say, bring it on because I know I can beat you. And we're terrified and deeply shaken. And as we look at the rest of the story, here's what I think God wants you to know and what he wants you to go away with. He wants you to go away with four steps to help conquer the giant of fear. There's some amazing lessons in this story, and I think God has brought us here this morning so that we can hear about how we can overcome these giants and how we can conquer this big, lumbering giant that we oftentimes have to deal with in the area of fear in our life. Four steps to conquering fear. The first one is this, is just name your giant. Now, you're welcome to name your giant some silly nickname, just, to, you know, like doofus or stupid head, but it might help, it might make you feel better, but more than that, when it comes to naming your giant, it's about really identifying what the fear is. What is it about that thing that you're going to have to face that's got you scared? What is it you're really going through? Give your fear a name. I mean, you've probably noticed in life that, that when things are uncertain, when we can't really identify what it is, it's a lot harder to deal with. But when we can name it, if we can label it, if we can declare what it actually is, now we actually know what we're dealing with. Like if there's a knocking going on underneath the hood of your car, and you have no idea what it is, it's just bang, 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 you're like, oh boy, what is that? And then you suddenly find out it's just a loose windshield wiper fluid cap that's banging around, you're like, oh, no big deal. I have to use that as the illustration because that's the only thing I know how to fix under my car is put... <laughs> If it was something worse, I'd be like, that's bad. But until we know, until we identify, it's just so much mystery. And for David, he's not even in the Israelite army. David's just a teenage kid. His job is to babysit sheep. His dad's like, go watch the sheep, take care of the sheep. And then one day his dad starts to get worried about his older brothers who are actually in the army. And so his dad says, David, hey, take some food. Go see how the brothers are holding up. And so David walks out there. And when David gets there, when David arrives, this scenario with Goliath, where he walks out and he challenged everybody to a duel. And this has been happening for 40 days. And David arrives and he watches it unfold again. And David discovers that his giant's name is Goliath. And David wasn't so worried about, like, what's your name? He was more worried about who are you and what are you about and what has made you who you are? What am I up against? And then David begins to ask around. He's like, hey, how come nobody else has fought this guy? Do we not hear what he's saying? He's, he's, he's making fun of God. He's making fun of us. Somebody, who's going to? Nobody does it. And so then David identifies his giant and says this. He says, don't worry about this Philistine. He's like, that's what it is. It's just a Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Again, Goliath, nine feet tall, taunting the Israelite army, making fun of God, coming out every day saying, who's going to fight me? Who's going to fight me? And everybody knows he's never been defeated. Nobody has ever fought Goliath and won. He's impressive. And oftentimes the giants in our lives, the fears in our lives, they are big issues that are impressive and loud and persistent and they seem impossible to defeat. They're Goliath. And because they're so big, we question whether or not God is even in the process. And we're like, I just gonna, I'm just going to run. So again, I just challenge you, what, what is your giant? 
What is the fear that you're facing? And be honest and, and find the core of that. Maybe it's something you're facing this week. Maybe you know it's coming this month. Maybe it's something you're having to deal with all this year. What is the issue that you're dealing with? The debt? Illness? Parenting? Dealing with your parents? Temptation, addiction, loneliness? What is the fear that you're facing? And if whatever it is, what is it about that that creates the fear? And so we name that and we address it and we begin to understand what the situation and what it is that we fear most. And then once we started to identify that fear, once we begin to know what it actually is, now we can begin to formulate a plan to fight against it. Because once David knew what he was facing, then he's like, bring it on, I'll fight him. So maybe right now you just take a moment and start jotting down some ideas. What is your fear? Or maybe set aside some time this week and just get alone and, and name the giant that you're facing. Could be big, could be small, could be simple. And even if it's simple, you can still name it, you can still identify it. Because once we've identified that fear, once we've identified that giant, once we've named it, now we know what's going on. And once we've identified that fear, now we go to step number two, which is where we go to God and we ask God to replace our fear with faith. Now, when we begin to identify it and we begin to replace it with faith, it doesn't mean it shrinks away and just falls into the background because we put a name on it. It doesn't just magically disappear. Because if we don't actually begin to process it and begin to allow faith to take over, then the problem just gets stronger and stronger, and every day it comes out and it taunts us more and more. And so if we're actually going to conquer the giant, then we have to begin to replace the fear with faith. I mean, the reality is that faith and fear can't exist at the same time. And so if our faith starts to rise, our fear will start to decline. And if our faith starts to decline, our fear will start to rise again. And David simply decided, I'm going to replace my fear with faith. I mean, he would be crazy to not be somewhat afraid of that giant. But then he started to lean into his faith. And everybody around him is like, look how big the giant is. Look how big the giant is. Guys were warning him. They're like, don't fight him. Don't fight Goliath. His own brothers were like, dude, you're crazy. They're like, you're so arrogant. Stop being arrogant. King Saul is even like, I don't think you can win. You're probably going to get killed. But David just determines, you know what, I'm going to lean into my faith. I'm not going to allow the fear to get the best of me. And David begins to explain to King Saul, he's like, listen, uh, my faith comes because when I was watching my dad's sheep, there were times that lions and bears would come to try and steal a lamb. And he's like, I fought them off. Can you imagine that? Sending your teenage son out and they're like, hey, dad, I took out a bear today. We don't let our kids go to the park alone, right? We're uh, This guy's out there fighting lions and stuff. Anyway, uh, so he's protecting the sheep, and then he says to Saul, he says this in verse 37, he says, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul's like, I can't, I, I got nothing. I got, okay, I guess you, this kid's got way too much faith. He's probably going to do it. And so Saul's like, okay, go. That's where you and I have the choice as we face our giant, as we face our fear. We can either choose to allow the fear to take over and cause us to run and cause us to retreat. Say, well, I can't win. I'm probably not going to be able to do this anyway. Say, this isn't going to work. And so then we just assume the giant's going to win and we're going to be defeated. And if we assume that, then it probably will. Or we can choose and say, listen, God, I am so scared. 
this giant is so big. I am so afraid. Would you give me the faith that you will walk me through this situation? And initially, the situation may not change at all. And initially, the giant might still be standing there right in front of you. But now we're deciding at least we can face it. Now we're trying to figure out how we can take it on. Now we're saying, God, I am open to whatever you want to do, however you might want to solve this, however you want to walk me through this. I'll just lean into you. And the giants and the fear that we face in our life, it can either cause us to pull away from God and run from God, or we can lean into it and allow God to help us experience faith in a new way. Here's what God ultimately wants us to know and ultimately realize, is that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. God's desire is not for you and I to be afraid. He wants us to be able to conquer the fear and the Goliaths in our life. He wants to give us faith. He wants to give us power. He wants us to develop that self-discipline. And when that fear is in our life, we're either going to push away and pull back from God, or we're going to allow that fear to let us be drawn in to who He is. The beauty about fear is if we don't just say, ah, I just don't ignore it, we just ignore it, we can actually use it to increase our faith. And faith doesn't just mean we know that everything's going to turn out and we don't get God. Faith doesn't mean that God just gives us a blueprint of everything and how it's going to go. Faith doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Faith is recognizing that God is going to be working in that situation continually. And he's going to walk us through the process of facing that giant. That God is going to give us the strength each day to deal with whatever comes our way as we take that giant or that fear on. And if it's going to happen, you and I can either decide to face that fear on our own, or we can invite God to be a part of that process. But we can't invite God to be a part of that process unless we start with naming the giant, so we can begin to identify what that fear is, so then we can begin to ask God to replace our fear with faith. And then once that happens, now we get to the exciting stuff. Because now we get to start conquering that fear, and we begin to recognize that we can attack our giant's weakness with God's guidance. Now, understand, this is not some crazy, like, Fernarnia! <laughs> right? Like, where there are no William Wallace, you know? You can never take away our freedom! You can do that. Uh, you'll look silly. But when we're dealing with our giant, we have to recognize it has power. That's why we're afraid. There's some sort of threat to who we are. That's why there's fear. And so when we begin to attack whatever the weakness is, we're saying, God, I want to put my faith in you. Would you guide me through this process? I don't want to just make it up on my own. God, I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to realize that you're going to help me with this giant. You're going to help overcome the weaknesses that I have and help me find the weaknesses within this giant that will allow me to attack it and move beyond it. It's not a natural reaction. Typically, the things that we're afraid of, we're going to step back or run from. That's what so many people do. So many people just allow their fears to paralyze them. They allow their fears to just become something that they are like, okay, I'm just going to have to get comfortable with this fear in my life. People just develop ways to cope with or learn to hide it. Sometimes that happens for decades. The problem with that approach is it, it prevents us from moving forward. It keeps us from actually enjoying life. It slows us down from experiencing God's purpose in our life and what He wants to do. So when we allow fear to hold us back, it prevents us from moving forward. And again, it's not natural. 
actually, it's supernatural. We're, we're requiring and we're depending on God to give us strength to do something we wouldn't naturally do. But when we begin to realize that God is capable of helping David overcome Goliath, and when we begin to recognize that God is capable of helping Jesus defeat death, then we begin to realize that certainly God is able to help us overcome whatever the fear is that we're facing. Listen to how it plays out for David. It says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. There's some fascinating books on this, divine, on this encounter right here, and, and it really dives in deep to what's happening. But basically, some of these books describe that what David did is he leaned into the advantages that he actually had. We tend to think, well, Goliath had all the advantages. Think about it. David is way quicker, way more agile, right? Like, Goliath's just standing there, and David. We have this dog um, that lives at our house. We have, we have like three dogs that kind of live at our house. One's name is Leo, and Leo is this great big black lab. And he, like, kind of, he's a big dog, and he lumbers around. And then we have this other little dog. Her name is Zilla, and she's about this big and this big. And Zilla, like, runs circles, and Leo's like, like this, and they just, it's hilarious. And it made, reminded me of David and Goliath. Like, Goliath's like, what's going on? And David's like, and then he used his sling. He was so skilled at it. They were saying that this sling, when he would throw that rock, it would be moving at the speed of a bullet. He used surprise. See, Goliath thought they were about to engage in traditional hand-to-hand combat. Goliath's like, I got my sword, I got my spears, I got my shields. David's like, uh-uh. And he just took action. And he moved forward and he caught, caught Goliath completely off guard. And what's so amazing about what David did is he just simply used the skills and the abilities and what he had learned about placing his faith in God to face the giant that was in front of him. Saul had offered him, he's like, you want my armor? Do you want my sword? And David's like, I'm just going to be me. And as you take on your fears, it's not about wishing you were somebody else or about wishing you had other abilities or wishing you had different skills or different qualities. It's about recognizing that what you have is enough and who you are, you're capable of overcoming this. But not on your own. You have to lean into God for his direction and for his guidance and his leaning. And then you'll be able to use all of those skills and abilities and things that God has already given you to move forward and attack the weaknesses of your giant and not be held back by the fear that's in front of us. And then the final step is we conquer that fear and we celebrate God's victory. So when you and I get tired enough of being afraid and and when we get done being paralyzed by fear and when we're tired of being stuck and we're really ready to move forward and pay attention to how, how not, not pay attention anymore to how big our giant is, but begin to pay attention instead to how big our God is and begin to realize that in God's perspective, there is no giant that can't be defeated. And when we take the time to name our giant, it doesn't matter what we identify. God is bigger. And it doesn't matter what you're facing next week. God is bigger. And you could write down on your piece of paper four or five, an entire page full of fears that you're facing, and God is still bigger. Here's how it played out for David. It said, So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. That's like Game of Thrones. 
what in the world? Not that I've seen it. Just holy cow. Take the head off? Whew. Everybody was so busy looking at Goliath and saying, he's way too big to hit. David's like, he's way too big to miss. He's like, God is on my side. And no matter the giant, we can celebrate the victory because God is bigger than whatever that giant is. In fact, that's why this day is so amazing is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus gets arrested. And through this sham of a trial, he gets crucified and dies on a cross, ultimately gets buried in a tomb. Those that were following him, they had given their entire life to him as a leader. They banked everything on the fact that Jesus was the one that was going to change everything, was going to make everything right. Everything was going to get better, and they were following him, and now he's dead. And their greatest fear, that they didn't even know they were afraid of, suddenly became realized. And then three days after he's murdered, some ladies show up to pay their respects. To put some spices and, and kind of take care of it. And they show up, and the, the body's gone. Jesus isn't there. And suddenly when Jesus isn't there, more fear starts to surface. And then this is what happens. It says, Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He isn't here. He's been raised from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. The giant of death... The fear of death, the power of death was defeated when Jesus rose from the dead. The fact that the body was no longer in the tomb proved that there is nothing bigger, there is nothing stronger, there is nothing more dominant than the power of Jesus. And because of that power, we can then celebrate in advance victory over whatever fears we face because God will go through them with us. And again, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to be the power in our lives as we move through anything that we face. And the words that the angel spoke to those women nearly 2,000 years ago are the same words that God has for you today. Don't be afraid. Jesus is no longer dead. And the beauty of that is recorded in, in the letter that we looked at at the very beginning, the letter to the Roman church. It says this, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives in him. And every week we put these green connect cards in your program and we just challenge you to think through what is it that you've heard this morning? What is it, not that I've said, but what is it that God has said to you? What is it that Jesus is prompting your heart to do or prompting your mind to do? What do you need to do in response to what you've heard this morning? Maybe this morning you're like, I don't even understand what you're talking about and having a relationship with Jesus. Having a relationship with Jesus starts with recognizing that he died on the cross for the sin in your life. Sin being those times that you've broken relationship with another person or broken relationship with God. Recognizing that Jesus died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to die for those. He wants to completely forgive us for all of those things. And then he wants to, then when he rose from the dead, he said, if you believe that I did that, now I'm going to give you life. Not just eternal life when this life is over, which is an amazing thing, but also help you discover what this life can be in the most ultimate and fulfilling way. So if you've never done that, on the back of your Connect card, there's a place to just mark that you're interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus. I'll send you an email, and it just my hope is to begin to start a dialogue with you about that and, and help you walk through that process. But maybe for you, your next step this morning is you just need to begin to identify the giant that 
you fear? What is that fear? What is holding you back? Maybe it's to reflect back on some times when God was faithful and provided what you needed to begin to build that faith to replace that fear. Maybe your next step is just plan to be here as often as possible for the rest of the Conquering Giants series. Maybe there's just something personal that, that God has said to you, that God has prompted you, that you really feel like that's what you need to do next. Whatever that is, I just challenge you to respond to that. Just a moment, the band's going to come and play one last song, but before they do, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for working out all of the logistics and the power issues and everything that just seemed to want to get in the way of this morning. God, I would just ask that you would take the words that we've heard this morning, God, the words that ultimately are from you, and you would allow those words to sink deep into our hearts and deep into our minds and recognize that, that you are for us, that you are ready to help us take on whatever that giant of fear is in our lives. God, this morning more than ever, help us to recognize that that same power that defeated death, that same power is available to us in whatever we face. In Jesus' name.